We, we are so privileged today. Um, for me, I got to meet for the first time, but my friend, Jake Bodine, he's a founder and CEO. Jake is here today. Jake, thank you so much for being here. We're so glad that you're here, man. Would you stand, Jake, real quick? Would you stand real quick? Let's give it up, Momentum Church. I thank God for your faith and for your obedience and for the, the vision that God has given you. And you know what? Here's the truth, gang. God has a vision for you, and God has power for you. We can all do something. It's not like we're trying to do something for God, but could I say it this way? God wants to do something through everybody here. God has a destiny for you. God has something amazing for you. And oftentimes we think God couldn't use me. God, if God can use me, he, I promise, can use you. I'm so excited about this. Man, God behind bars. Woo, it's coming up. Last week we launched a brand new series and we talked about mixology. We talked about how we're going to create the perfect mix for your life. And I made a smoothie on stage. I talked about, man, you can do all kinds of smoothies, but one of my favorite smoothies is how you make it. And wasn't that awkward? I was holding a mic and I'm trying to do that. That was really bad. I, I evidently didn't think that one through, but I didn't get messy. So that was good. But, but I made a mix and I was like, man, I drink this in the mornings. This mix sustains me. God has a mix for your life. And God has a mix for your life. Almost like a sacred pathway, if you please, to sustain you. Not just sustain you, like just keep you giving, but, or just keep you going, but to keep you growing. God, God, God says something like this. Uh, scripture says, man, we're to grow in grace. In other words, I got to grow in my faith. I got to grow up. You got to grow up. Man, last gathering in here was Pat, Navarre, had a great crowd. Listen, um, God's doing amazing things, but, but we haven't even seen... And he's seen the tip of the iceberg of what God wants to do. We talked about the story last week in Matthew where Jesus was impressed. Jesus was impressed with someone's faith. Remember that? The Roman soldier, centurion. He was impressed with his faith. And, and so we talked about God doesn't want us just to have faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Our, our homework last week was to read Hebrews 11. Anyone here, a little accountability. Anyone read Hebrews 11? Did you read Hebrews 11? I'm so proud of you. Boy, didn't that, wasn't that awesome? So you begin to read Hebrews 11, how God used people. Why? Because of their faith. But we talked about how that God has a perfect mix for us. And, and the overall picture is that God wants to grow our faith. But there are key ingredients. And so this week, we're going to talk about the first one. And, and this is a, something I call private disciplines. This is something we call private disciplines. I heard this talk years ago as far as these, these five um, truths that grow us in our, in our Christian life. And, and I've found it to be true in my own life. One of them's private disciplines. So let's talk about discipline. We can, we can think discipline like bad, but what about discipline being good? How many of you are disciplined in the way that you eat? Would you raise your hand? You, you pretty, how many are pretty disciplined? So, so. How many are not disciplined in the way that you eat? You're like a fast food junkie. I mean, you just come on. You keep them going. You keep them in business. I mean, if Chick-fil-A was open on Sunday, you'd be eating there today. You know what I'm talking about. All right, listen, how many are disciplined when it comes to rest? How many, like, you're, you're like, man, I got to be in bed at this time. And anyone here, you're kind of disciplined when it comes to rest? A couple of you? All right, we could learn from, like, seven of you. That's awesome. How many are disciplined in uh, 
exercise, working out, going to the gym. I see you, sir. He raised up. I see you, sir. Hold it up high. Let me see real quick. How many? All right. Several more hands. Okay, great, great. All right. That's good. My wife and um, a couple uh, of our teammates, they're doing this thing called Iron Sharpen Iron. Is that right? Iron Sharpens Iron. I think it's in the Bible, actually. It's a great verse. And uh, so, so I get a picture early in the morning. Steph's like pushing a vehicle, you know? And that was cool and all, but then two of the guys on our team were like sitting down smiling at the camera. I'm like, what's up with that? No, but they go all out, man, early in the morning. How many like that, man? You early in the morning, you hit the gym before work, man, you're up at it. Uh, you go, uh, you go, cause you know, you value that. We're disciplined. How many are disciplined in your studies? Raise your hand. You're disciplined in your studies. You have to be, right? If you're going to succeed, you, how many are disciplined in showing up at work? Like, you don't get late. You don't get there late. Like, like your, your goal is not just show up. Your goal is show out. Your goal is to bring greatness with you, to do your best 100% of the time. How many that you raise it up real high? All right. All right. Put it down. How many were telling the truth? How many were lying? No, I was just kidding. I just messed with you. All right. So we are disciplined. Discipline is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And, and to help us in discipline, the truth is, I challenged our team this last week. I gave them a talk about should and must. And we all know things we should do. But the difference in discipline is when we move from that category of what we should do to what we must do. I should work out. Now I must. Now it's a priority. Now I make it happen. I should eat a little, little healthier. I shouldn't probably have 30 cups of coffee, you know, by two. Um, I, I, you know, there's some things I need to change. And, and most of us, we all know, man, these are things we should do. But when you move them to something I must do, all of a sudden a little discipline and all of a sudden, you can see the result, can't you? You know, oftentimes in our life, what happens is we, we're, we're very casual. And um, whenever something is convenient for us, we do it. But here's something that I want you to think about. When something's convenient, it never creates consistency. Anything in your life, if you just pay the bills when it's convenient, right? You're probably not going to have good, good record, good credit. Right. If you show up at football practice and you're like, you know, I'm going to go all out today. I'm going to go all out today. And then the next day you're like, I just don't feel good. I'm a little sore. I'm not going to go all out. I'm just I'm going to kind of run and do it like this. Talk to uh, one of our sophomores here in town that, uh, man, he's playing JV and playing varsity. First game moved up to varsity. Hello. That's pretty cool, huh? He didn't get there any other way except for his giftedness and his discipline. You with me? And in our Christian life, here's what I know to be true for me. So I'm just going to speak to me today. And whether you're here and you're a Jesus follower or not, we're glad you're here. We're so glad that you're here. And we say, man, there's no perfect people allowed. And you don't have to be like us to be loved by us. We're going to love you because you're made in the image of God. We're not going to love you because you look like us or talk like us or think like us. We're going to love you because God loves you. Are you with me? All right, y'all talk back to me and go better. Here we go, ready? And so, so here's the deal. In discipline, in discipline as a Jesus follower, there's a principle that I want to illustrate today. I want to keep it real simple today. And next week, I'm going to take part of the message and talk about it next week. And that's going to, that's going to um, change the messages, and I'm happy about it because this is so important. I feel, like, I feel like every one of us that are Jesus followers need to get it, and every one of us that aren't need to know the power of it. There's only one place in scripture where success is mentioned. To which I would ask you, how many of you want to be successful 
Don't raise your hand. All right, gotcha. Don't raise your hand. But turn to the person beside you and say, I want to be successful. Go ahead and try that real quick. Find somebody else, look him in the eye and ask him, do you want to be successful? Successful? Successful. <laughs> do you want to be successful? That was a different series. That was our sex series. How many are still praying that we'll do for married couples a seven-day challenge? Okay. Someone's honest over here. He's like, hello. <laughs> Some things you don't got to pray about, right? Come on. That's awesome. You know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting when you talk about discipline because the truth is we all have appetites. And if you don't control your appetite, your appetite control you. And the series that we did this year, Fatal Attractions, we talked about things that happen, don't we? We talked about reality. We talked about things like sex and sex before marriage. We talked about what the Bible says about sex. We talked about adultery. We talked about pornography, all those things. And um, we talked about Ashley Madison. Do you remember that? We talked about Ashley Madison. You know what breaks my heart today is I read a statistic this week that said over 400 preachers will get up and resign from their churches this week because they were exposed. And before we judge them, and that's wrong, it's wicked. Before we judge them, though, over 4 million people were exposed, weren't they? And maybe you're here today and you're one of them. You're exposed. And, and in fact, church isn't your thing. Hello. But you're here today because all of a sudden you're finding yourself in a very sticky situation. You're finding yourself wanting to believe in hope. You're just not sure if it's still there for you and for your spouse. Can I just give you some grace today and tell you that despite our sin, God loves us and God can heal us and God can forgive us and God can restore us and God longs to take what's wrong in my life and wrong in your life and he loves to make it right. No matter, I'm telling you. Doesn't mean there aren't consequences. Doesn't mean you don't pay for your sin. You do. But I want to tell you something. Some of you are here today and you're like, man, I've screwed up so many times. I know God couldn't love me. And the message that we proclaim is that God is not mad at you, but God is madly in love with you. And I hope today to prove it from this talk. I want to talk to you. The title is not Private Disciplines, but I want to talk to you. The title on the, on the talk is First Things First. Would you say it with me? First Things First. We do that here. One of our leaders in Navarre, um, he said, guys, listen, before we bring everything in, like, like Rodney's here today, he gets here at 4.30 with a trailer. We have several trailers, I think like six trailers, and, and they come and they load out and they set up. But before we do anything... Our prayer leader of our Navarre campus, Steve Basham, said, let's start this thing called FTF. It's first things first. And, and let's, let's pray and just tell God we're glad that he's here and we expect great things today. So before we set up a chair, they got prayed over. Before we set up a screen, before we do the production thing, we do FTF, first things first. And we pray and we believe God with audacious faith. For the miraculous. First things first. What I want to talk to you about. So overall, we talk about faith and mixology. That's a picture. God wants to grow your faith. And, and if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, listen, grace is what saves us. For by grace are you saved. We're saved by grace. Grace is spelled with me, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is. It's free, but it wasn't cheap. It cost him everything. But we're saved by grace through faith. Faith, my faith is not what saves me. There are people that are Satanists. 
that have faith, and their faith will not get them to heaven. Are you with me today? Can I be any more clear? You, so they have faith. There are other people that they're religious. They have great faith. Their faith might shame our faith. There's so much faith, but it's not the it's not their faith. The, the faith is the tunnel, and grace is the transportation. Grace moves us to faith. And God says, man, I want you to grow. I want you to grow. And so we're going to talk about today private disciplines. We're going to talk about practical teachings. We're going to talk about providential relationships. These are all ingredients in the mix that God will use in our life to make us more like him. Personal ministry is getting in the game. And then pivotal circumstances. We said last week, quick review, we said faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. Bottom line, faith is confidence in God. I love what Pastor Stephen Furtick said in his book, um, and he described audacious faith. He said that audacious faith is the raw material that authentic Christianity is made of. Well, let's grow our faith. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Let's go. James 4, 8. What I love about James is he was, he was a half-brother of Jesus. He spent his entire life not even believing that Jesus was a Messiah. He grew up with him. He's like, man, I'll think he's not the Messiah. No, that, that would make him God. He, no, I, I should be God, right? Like, no, that's the, Jesus squeezes the toothpaste in the middle, and, and God would do it from the end. Or I don't, I don't know what he thought, but he probably had all kinds of thoughts of, man, this, this. But you know what happened? The resurrection happened, and Jesus appears to James, and James does a 180. There's some of you here today that when Jesus appears to you, not like you see him in front of you, but when he touches your heart, when he opens your eyes, man, you're going to see him. And James sees him, and then he writes these words, come close to God, and God will. I love that word, will. It's a promise. God could have just made a statement, come close to God, period. Come close to God. No, 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 it's not like this, rah. It's this, come close to God, and he'll come close to you. I'm going to illustrate in just a minute with Kenny. Before I do, one of the greatest things that I value, um, I, I keep it in my top drawer. I have for 17, 17 and a half years, and it's a love letter from my hot wife, Stephanie. Going on 17 years um, in marriage, I love her with all my heart. And I keep this love letter that she wrote me because it was about the time when I was realizing how blessed I was, how awesome she is, and, and, and just the amazing woman that God put in my life. You know, when you get something good, you get thankful, right? And I just felt so thankful for her. So I've kept this letter. I, how many would like to hear it? Would you like me to read it to you real quick? Um, no, I can't do that. It's a little too hot. I ain't going there today. But uh, I've kept it. I value it. You know why? Because it reminds me how much she loves me. This verse is a great reminder of how much God loves us. Let's illustrate it. Can we, Kenny, real quick? This is what this verse says. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hand, you sinners. Wash your hand, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let's look at the first line. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Here's what, here's what happens. Let me illustrate it. What happens is as I come close to God, God comes close to me. 
As I come close to God, God comes close to me. As I come close to God, God comes close to me. As I, hey, hey, Kenny, how you doing, buddy? All right. Um, hey, by the way, ladies, Kenny's uh, my assistant. Kenny's a great dude. He just graduated college, and he's not only, he's not only available, he is uh, he looking. No, I'm just kidding. I told you. His dad was here last gathering. His dad was like, I was clapping when you were doing that. That's right. He's not only sexy, he's available. That's what we're trying to say. Okay. All right. All right. So most of us think this. Most of us think as I come to God, God moves away. So ready? Here we go. As I try to come to God and I throw up a prayer, I'm like, where are you, God? God, I need some help. And you make a request and it's like, God never hears you. Anyone ever felt like that before? And what we think is as I move to God, God moves away. And as I move to God, God moves away. What's going on? As I move to God, God moves away. But that's not what happens. As I move to God, God moves towards me. Now, here's what happens. Watch this. So I'm going to move to God. God, you're going to represent God. God moves towards me. Here's what happens, though. We backslide, right? We mess up. We screw up. We do things wrong. Kenny, right there. All right? And God does. God keeps following us, and he pursues us. But watch this. Most of us think, like, God, where are you? God's going backwards. Go ahead, Kenny. Go back. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to figure it out. And God just keeps widening the gap. That's the opposite of what God does. He comes close when I come close. And you know what I want to do? I, so, sometimes, sometimes we think, God, where the heck are you? Where are you, God? I need you. Where are you? And, 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 and we feel like I can pray a prayer, and it boom, hits the ceiling, doesn't go any further. And we give up on God. Thanks, Kenny. Give Kenny a hand. We, we give up on God, and we get discouraged. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you are discouraged in your faith today? Don't raise your hand. How many of you discouraged? How many right there? And what I want to do is I want to help you realize that God loves you and God wants to come close to you. Just like Stephanie, man, I read that letter the first time. I'm like, woo, I'm going to give her a kiss. I can't wait, man. I can't wait to see her again, you know. Or if I be a little mushy for a second, we go to a restaurant and we sit down and then Stephanie knows um, words of affirmation and physical touch, my love language. So, so I, we sit down and then she takes her ankle and she just kind of put it around my ankle. Woo, buddy. All of a sudden, my chest expands. Brian, I'm not lying. My arms get bigger in my imagination. And I just, man, I'm just like, come on. I love this woman. Why? Because I feel she loves me. For some of us today, we just don't believe God loves us. And this verse, James 4 is a great reminder that God wants to be near you. I want you to take notes. Got a few things today, real simple. Would you be a note taker today? Because this will help you down the road. And the truth is you're probably not going to remember all of it. So a few things. A few things from this verse I want us to uh, think about and, and take notes. Number one, God wants to be close to you. Write that down. God wants to be close to me or personalize it and write God wants to be close to and then write your name. God wants to be close to Tim. God wants to be close to Michelle. God wants to be close to Randy. God wants to be close to Jimmy. God wants to be close to Sarah. God wants to be close to Melissa. God wants, that's his desire. His desire is to be close to you. Number two, as I illustrated, when we move towards God, God moves towards us. As we move towards God, God moves towards us. You can personalize it. As I move towards God, as Tim moves towards God, God moves toward Tim. Number three, we can and will be 
as close to God as we want to be. Number three, we can and will be as close to God as we want to be. So the closer I come to God, the more that I'm making, the more that, that I'm, I'm coming to God and I'm putting in a little effort, God doesn't sit there and, and make sure it doesn't pay off. Just the opposite. It's like we make an investment and God rewards us. There's a return. Are you with me? And there's three approaches. There are three approaches to God. And, and um, you know, and, and we, could, we could talk about this, and we will more next week. But I don't know about you. When, when I'm around nature, if, if I'm in the woods, I feel close to God. When I went to Grand Canyon, I felt really small. I felt he was really big. And I just wanted to worship, man. I just felt close to God. When I was at the great waterfall we went to, I forget the name, but last summer on our missions trip, um, in Ecuador. It was beautiful. It was huge. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of feet. I mean, huge, massive. And, and I just felt so small. And then I felt like, man, the God that made that loves me. And so as I think about three ways to approach God, I think about, you know, for some of us, it's when we, it's when we worship. And here's the cool thing. And this isn't like beach over the head thing. This is just something to teach and to encourage. But when we come in here and we sing, we're not, we sing because that prepares our heart. And if you're like me, here's what I know. Um, just like you preheat the oven, for me, there are times when I move into my time with God and that, to be honest with you, I move into my time with God and I don't just feel really close to God. I don't feel like, shoot, I'm a pastor, but I don't feel like, oh my goodness, overwhelmed with the presence of God sometimes. You ever feel like that or struggle? Satan ever try to use that against you? And so just like an oven needs to be preheated. Man, for me, Man, I, I listened to a song. I heard Bill Hybels talk about the Global Leadership Summit, that he was going through a time of fear, and he listened to a song 50 times just to get him out of the grip of fear. 50 times in a row. 50 times. That's, that's a little bit of time, isn't it? You say, well, I don't have time for God. And, and I know we live busy lives and incredible schedules, but can I tell you something today? You need... To make time with God a priority. And I, I'd encourage it. It's a way. It's not maybe the only way. But I'd encourage it in, in the morning. Maybe you're like, I'm a night person. But for me, I just don't want to. I don't want to experience that at night. For me, just personally, I don't think I'm more spiritual. But I want to I fuel up in the morning. Before the journey, I want to make sure I got gas in the tank. Because I got no clue what's coming. And he does. And I want to get to him later in the day and talk to him about, like, why did that happen? <laughs> you with me? I want to have a little fuel for the journey. So for me, I want to meet with God in the morning. I want to do that. So for me, it's through music. It's, it's worship. And I'm, sometimes I have to listen to a song a couple times, and then all of a sudden I feel like, okay, it's heating up. The iron, you plug in the iron, you don't just start ironing, do you? You let it heat up. You let it heat up. And so I listen to that song, worship's number one, and, I, and that music will move me. Music's powerful. It will move me closer to him. And, and then, then all of a sudden, it's not just like beats in my ear. All of a sudden, it's like I feel like Jesus is near. And then I start singing. And, and I'll go from that more next week and talk about um, what's in the bag. But the first one's worship. And the second, one, second way to approach God is, is prayer. Like you can start out in prayer. For some of you, that may be you. You just, want, if you just need to start praying. And you can start cold start. <laughs> you just start praying. And you're like, woo. Man, you feel God is there. And you feel close to him. 
For some of you, like, that never happens for me. For some of you, it's opening the Bible. You open your Bible, and as you begin to read the Bible, you just all of a sudden feel that. You feel like, man, I'm drawing near to God. I, I feel that. And, and next week, we're going to go away. This is real practical today. Next week's going to be real practical. I'm going to try to teach how to invest an hour with God because God wants time with you. How many, are, how many have someone you love in your life and, and, and you love them? I mean, come on. You are uh, you're just madly in love. You've got someone in your life, you're madly in love with them and you just love and are thankful for the time you get with them. That's how God feels about me. That's how God feels about you. That's how God feels about us. And he looks forward to you coming to him. Some of you are empty nesters, and you love being empty nesters. <laughs> Do you love on them babies, send them home? Do you love those babies? God loves his babies. God loves having time with his kids, and he has no grandkids. And so we can approach God. I want to land on this verse, and uh, we'll, we'll close it. Um, Matthew, Matthew, tax collector. Matthew, uh, Jesus picked him. He was a sinner. That was Jesus. He was a friend of sinners. He chooses Matthew. Matthew writes the first book in New Testament, and he's speaking to a Jewish audience. And one of the verses that he tells us, one of the things he says to us is he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I grew up thinking righteousness was about me and what I could do for God, the length of the hair, the this or that, what I did do, what I didn't do. But righteousness is justice. That God is active in looking and searching for what is wrong and making it right. God cares about all those that are human sex trafficked. He cares about them and it moves his heart. God cares about people in prison that you and I might not think about. Maybe that's not your world and you don't even think about them. And, and maybe um, you know, God thinks about them. God loves him. That moves the heart of God. And I believe that day that he woke me up with something I can't fully even try to describe, but I felt God touched my heart, and it was more love than I could handle, and the only thing I could do was weep because I felt his love. That's his justice. That's his righteousness. So Matt says this. Matt says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Some of you did that this week, and I'm so proud of you. Man, we laid out big vision last week. Here's the things we're believing God for. We laid it out there and some of you responded immediately. Responded immediately. Say, man, God behind bars, I want in on that. Because you get it. You realize that at the end of the day, we don't own anything. We're stewards. We're just stewards. Never seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul. Never seen it. We don't take it with us. And what we do here on earth for Christ, that's the thing that matters and lasts and outlasts us. And that's why so many of you, you got online and you gave. And I want to tell you, it's not the amount that you give. It's the amount of sacrifice you give. And God watches. God watches. And and God's desire. Give me just a minute here. But, But God's desire is this, church. God's desire is that my desire is not for, can we put the verse back up there? Is that my desire is not for all these things. But my wife and I, man, we're human like you are. We got, got a letter in the mail yesterday about the house. The day one we moved in to rent, it's in foreclosure. We've gone through this crazy thing. And uh, we got another letter after 
it's crazy. Let's say, man, it's back in foreclosure. And so for us, we want a house. Is there anything wrong with wanting a house? We want to, if we, we're praying for that house. I, I read you at Jaden's journal last week. We're believing God for that house. Is there anything wrong for believing God for that house? No. Is there anything wrong with having a car or a boat? No. But God's desire for you and for me is that we would seek first, first, first priority. We would seek first his kingdom and his justice. And then he makes us a promise. Thank you, Ty. Come on. That's my buddy right there. Thank you, sir. Seek first the kingdom of God above everything else. And God could have just went, period. But he didn't. He says, if we seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So for some of us today, man, I want to challenge us. I'm not just talking about giving. That's a way of worship, but it's not the only way. I want to challenge you to seek first the kingdom of God. You know what will happen? I promise you, all these things that you want, I'm not saying God will give you a Ferrari. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. But I do believe God wants to bless your socks off. And I do believe that obedience brings blessing. And I do believe that disobedience causes conflict. And I do believe that God is for you. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you seek first the kingdom? How many would say this real quick? A couple quick questions. How many would say, Tim, I struggle. I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus follower. But I struggle with this whole thing about time with God. And, and I feel like I don't do it enough. Or I don't know how to do it. Or I don't do it right. Or I'm not consistent. And Satan just kicks my shins. I mean, he just, he kicks my tail. And I just feel, be honest with you, most of most of the time, feel defeated. Do you raise your hand all over? Do you raise your hand and say, that's me? Say, it's good. 60, 70% of us. Thank you. You put your hands down. I want to pray for you. God, I pray for those of us, Lord, who don't get it right. And, and then Satan accuses us and he just, ugh. God, we, we don't need that, Lord. We just need to know that you love us and you want to hang out with us and spend time with us and you want to talk to us and you want to listen to us and you want us to listen to you and you want us to know you and you want you know us god help us just to believe that and may every other lie fail and may we learn as we get into it next week how to do that how do i approach god how do i come close i pray that everyone here would be able to be here next week because it will be miracle growth for their spiritual journey. I pray they would not just come. I pray they would be a bringer. I pray for my neighbor. I prayed for him this morning. God, help me to bring him next week. Help him to come. We love you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give the gospel. If you're here today and, and you say, you know, I'm, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't get the whole God thing. I'm here. Someone kind of begged me to come. And, and so I'm kind of just kind of here today. And I'm not sure. I, I got a lot of questions. Got a lot of doubts. Can't figure him out. Man, can I tell you, I, I love Jesus. I can't figure him out totally. And it's a beautiful thing. He's way bigger than my mind could even begin to imagine. And I got a lot of questions. But I wouldn't let your doubts or your questions or even your fears keep you from believing he loves you 
and he wants to make your life new. If you're here and you're trusting in your religion, you say, well, man, I was this or I was that or, you know, I'm a part of this denomination or part of this church and that's going to get me into heaven. The, the church says if, if, if you do this, this and this and this, you can get to heaven. You know, God's word says something contrary that it's nothing that I bring to the table. It's what he does and I just receive it as a gift. So it's not by my working to get to heaven because my works aren't good enough. That's why Jesus died. His blood, perfect, had to be shed because he was the only perfect lamb of God. And we need that. We don't need Jesus so we'll be a nicer person. We don't need Jesus so so we'll be um, more moral. We need Jesus because without him, we're a dead person walking. Without him, you're dead. Jesus is life. And he wants to give you his life. I believe there are people in this room today that you have been doing the religion thing. Maybe you're here and you just, you just felt like God was angry and hates you and you just feel far from him. But right now, you feel that God loves you, man. I want to invite you to say yes to his love. And the way we do it here is, man, we're going to lead in a, a prayer and want to invite you just to, you're not coming through me. <laughs> it's nothing. You're not coming through me. You're coming to Jesus. And you're going to believe in him that he died for you, for you. Not for the church people, just for the church people. He died for you. And he died for you because he loved you. And he paid the price that had to be paid for you and I to be made right with him. He traded places, greatest exchange ever. I gave my sin, he gave me his perfection. I gave my guilt, he gave me his freedom. I gave him my hatred. He gave me his love. Are you with me today? Some of you need to make a change today. You need to swap. You need to accept the greatest gift ever given. You say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you shed your blood. I believe you rose for me. And I just, I believe it, God. And, and I give you my life. And what will happen is he'll come in and he'll change your life completely. So can I lead us in the sinner's prayer? And here at Momentum, we say this together because we're all about doing things together. And we believe you pray to Jesus. You give him your life one time and you are made right with him. You don't have to keep giving your life to him to get to heaven. You keep surrendering your life because you're going to heaven. But for some of you today, this is your first time where you're turning to God. And I promise you, you'll never regret it. Church, let's pray it out loud together with heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you repeat after me? Dear God, I feel your love today and I accept it. I say yes to your love. I do believe that you died for me so I could have new life. And I believe that you shed your blood so I could be made new. And I believe that you rose again so I might have new life. Now I give you my life. I receive your life. Now teach me, Jesus, how to live. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I promise you we are uh, embarrassment free. 
society. That's, that's who we are. We will not embarrass you, but man, we want to celebrate with you. Um, so on the count of three, if today you gave your life to Christ, it's the greatest thing could ever happen. Heaven is already celebrating. Man, the angels are already throwing a party, and, and there are people here that got skin in the game. They're here at 4.30 this morning. They're here at 5. They're here at 6. They were here at 7. They got here at 8, and, and they're praying for you today. They're excited for you today. So on the count of three, if you gave your life to Christ today, would you raise your hand loud and proud and let us give you a new believer's Bible and a next steps booklet to help you in your new walk with Christ. Here we go. Would you do that on the count of three? Holy Spirit, give them courage, I pray. One, two, just raise it high. One, two, three. Right now, would you hold up your hand? I see a hand in the back. You just hold it up. Say, Tim, yes, yes. Yes, thank you, God. Yes, thank you, God. Listen, I see your hand. Listen, I want to tell you this. Last gathering, there was a man that sat right over there. And, and I worded the questions a little different. I, I asked the question, if you know that, man, you're like, man, I, I don't have a relationship with God. Would you raise your hand? I asked that question. The man, a couple of people, the man right over there raised his hand. And then I said, after the invitation, I said, listen, raising your hand doesn't get you into heaven. Giving your life to Christ does. I said, maybe you're scared, embarrassed, or afraid to rate, and maybe, and, and, and we get that. And that's why we want you to see Pastor Jim out at the tent. He'll help you. We want to connect you with him. Listen, I said the same thing that I just said. And that gentleman who has two daughters who serve here came up to me crying. And he said, I needed that today. I needed that today. So the truth is, church, we have no idea how many people give their life to Christ every day. But it is so important. Listen, host, would you come forward? We're going to move into a time of generosity, sing a song, and and go home. Um, Host, if you'll come. Um, Normally, I don't get to do this, but, man, it's my privilege today to lead us into the time of worship. And that's where we give. And, And I just thank you guys. You have such a great heart. You have such a great heart. You're a giving church. You get it. We would not have another campus in Navarre if you didn't get it. Thank you for being a giving church. You know, we see lives change every week. And we, we're next week, we have a story for you. We try to keep stories in front of you so that you can see the RTLs, the radic, radical life transformation, radically transformed lives. Let's say it like that, RTLs. We're about life change. And every time that you give, every time really that we return to God, what he's given us, you make it possible. So I want to say thank you. Some of you, man, you jumped on last week and you gave to God behind bars. Listen, there are people here today, you could write a check for 75 grand. I don't apologize asking you to do it. I I don't apologize asking you to do it. You could leverage the resources God has blessed you with so men and women could come to Jesus. Is there anything greater than that? Come on. I want to challenge. I want to challenge you not only to give. I want to challenge you to sacrifice. My wife and I are. We're leading the way. We will not ask you to do something we, we're not willing to do. So I want to challenge you to give. You can give online. You can give in the bucket. There's an offering envelope that you can fill out and give that way. We're so glad, so thankful that you trust them enough to give. God bless you as you do.